That's the legend Paul Merson, John O'Shea, and Off the Ball daily to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event. So if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Not least in GA, Provincial Football Semi-Final in Ulster. Two in Leinster today. Will a former Loud and Dublin footballer Colin Nally with updates from Crow Park. Hurling as well in the guise of Kilkenny, Galway and Leinster and there is Cork, Waterford in Munster all fresh from last night's drama between Clare and Limerick. Not to mention Premier League Manchester United against Aston Villa at 2 o'clock. At half past four it is Liverpool Spurs. Both games live and exclusively here on Off The Ball. Text number is 53106. We are at Off The Ball on Twitter. We'll uh, kick off with Newsround. Anne-Marie Donnan here in studio. Hello. Hi there. And Aidan Delaney here as well. Hello. Hello. Uh, paper review should mention is done and dusted. Keen Tracy, Fionn Davenport were in this morning. It is available to podcast very shortly or you can watch now on our social channels, Twitter, YouTube and beyond. Uh, loads for the lads to get their uh, teeth stuck into. So we did just that. Let's start with the uh, Premier League. So Anne-Marie, we have two games today, two interesting games. Yeah, and it's sixth that take on fourth in the Premier League this afternoon. First, Joe, that's as Manchester United host Aston Villa. United come into the game off the back of their 2 all draw with Tottenham during the week where they let a 2-0 lead slip while Villa are unbeaten in their last 10 league games. You have to go back to the 18th of February for their last loss and that was to Arsenal. Stephen Doyle and Graham Gartland will be on commentary here on the programme when that kicks off at two. They sure will. We can bring in Stephen now for some teen news. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Good afternoon to you all. Unai Emery, don't call it a comeback. <laughs> oh, I have to say one thing, Joe. I love Unai Emery. I really do. Even going back to his first stint with Arsenal, he just comes across as a, and I know he got a little bit of, um, there was a, I wouldn't say stick, but people kind of laughed a bit the way he used to commit it the press conference and interviews and say good evening to everyone. It's a bit like the way you say hello at the start of the Sunday <laughs> show, I find. I absolutely loved it, Joe. I just thought, this fella, he's just so polite, he's so nice, he's great. Um, but you get the sense from him, Joe, that there's a real mean streak to him as well because I think that's the kind of thing he would keep for the dressing room. I did watch their match against Fulham in preparation for this game on Tuesday night and it was really interesting to see. It was a terrible game. It was an awful match and... Uh, somehow got through the 90 minutes watching it uh, and Villa got the win that they needed, a very important win for them to keep them in this, as outsiders really, for the Champions League spots. But I thought the interesting thing was you could see the players, and you're seeing this, as you know, Joe, with a lot of teams in the last 10 to 15 minutes of games at this stage of the season, they're starting to fade a little bit. They're starting to, you know, lose their energy. And you could see Unai Emery up and down the touchline, out of his technical area, and he's just waving his hands almost doing helicopter movements with his two arms at the same time I thought he's going to take off at some stage and he's just like just shouting out the players just to get themselves going you know he was just worried that they were going to concede an equaliser maybe drop the two points but uh, thankfully him, they, for him, they didn't. And what a record he's had since coming back. Um, I did a check after that game just to see. They were in 16th position when he took over. His, uh, he took over on the 1st of November. And they were just three points above the relega- relegation spots. And they go into this game today against Manchester United. As I said, outsiders, you might think, just to perhaps get into the top four and to get... Um, a qualification place for the Champions League. They're currently on 54 points after 33 matches. United have played two games less than their six points clear. 
Villa win today, who knows what might happen. Happen, But um, I have to say, I really enjoyed the way they've played. I love the way Ollie Watkins is playing under Unai Emery. Um, he's got 11 goals in 14 appearances. One more goal, he's uh, level with Christian Mateke, the last player to achieve 15 play- or fifteen goals in a season for Aston Villa. He's having a sensational season. Another fellow who comes across as a really ni- nice, likeable guy. He always plays with a smile on his face when things are going well. Interesting little one as well, like the likes of Douglas Louise, Joe. He's got five assists this season, four of those since Emery came in. He would be known, I suppose, as more of a defensive midfielder, but the fact that he's chipping in with these assists just goes to show you that perhaps there's just that little bit more attacking now about this Aston Villa team since he's taken over. And I think as well, a really key signing for them has been Alex Moreno, the former Real Betis left back. He's been really, really good for them, really solid there. Luca Dina hasn't had a look in since um, since uh, Moreno made his debut two days after he signed from Betis uh, against Leeds United coming on as a substitute for the injured Dina who's now been uh, wallowing on the bench ever since but uh, it has been a sensational turnaround from uh, Unai Emery in charge of Aston Villa and even if they don't get to the Champions League Joe he's an absolute specialist as we know in the Europa League and who's to say they won't go and win that next season if that's the tournament they end up playing yeah, it's been extraordinary. And he's toasted the Sunday papers. There are profile pieces to beat the band and full of the usual insights which go with every manager, to be fair, when things are going well. So you'll be shocked to hear he's a workaholic. Uh, <laughs> first there, last to leave. And uh, apparently he wants accommodation built at uh, Buddymore Heath so he can stay even longer. So uh, he's definitely having a moment. Manchester United surrendered a two-goal lead at Spurs during the week. You suspect, uh, in fairness to them, I know there is um, an issue with tiredness generally in the league, but uh, fresh from the extra time against Brighton, there perhaps was a touch of tiredness. Teams are in, I would think. What have they gone with? They are, Joe. And as you probably know, Harry Maguire was a little bit of a doubt coming into this game. And he is on the bench. He does make the bench. Alejandro Garnacho as well. He's been out for quite a while injured. Um, and there was talk that he's been back training this week, which he has. But unfortunately, he's not fit enough to make the bench for Manchester United, who have made, uh, well, their boss, Eric Ten Hag, has made two changes to his starting team. Aaron Wambasaka dropped to the bench. And uh, so does Anthony. And coming in for the two of those are Tyrell Malasia and Marcel Sabitzer. So it looks like Sabitzer on the team layout I've got here is going to drop into that number 10 role just behind Marcus Rashford. And that means that uh, Ericsson and Casemiro will play as the double pivot in midfield. You're going to have Sancho on the right wing, Fernandes on the left, and Marcus Rashford leading the line. The uh, back four then, it's uh, Dallow on the right, Malasia on the left, and then it's Lindelof and Shaw as the two centre-backs in front of David De Gea, the United goalkeeper. You would be a little bit concerned, perhaps, about Ollie Watkins' runs around those two uh, United centre-backs. Luke Shaw has played very well in there. Lindelof, you might have some concerns about. Uh, the Aston Villa team, well, it's as was named for the start against Fulham during the week. No changes for them. Martinez in goal. It's Ashley Young coming back to Old Trafford where he won a Premier League title over 10 years ago. He plays right back. It's uh, Moreno left back. Konza and Mings at centre half and then it's Dendonker and Douglas Louise, the holding midfielders behind John McGinn on the right Buendia in the centre Ramsey on the left of the midfield attacker, attackers with Ollie Watkins then leading the line John McGinn as well the captain of Aston Villa he seems to have a new lease of life under uh, Unai Emery so it remains to be seen how this match goes today sure it's going to be an exciting one Joe Lovely stuff Stephen thank you very much we'll talk to Graham Gartland who's alongside Stephen in due course of that game coming from Old Trafford 
whole bunch of games unusual for a Sunday Anne-Marie but a whole bunch of games also kicking off at two in the Premier League Yeah at the same time Bournemouth and Leeds is at the Vitality and Peter Hood looks ahead to that for us You can never tell with these two sides what they're going to produce on the day Bournemouth looks safe after a convincing win at Southampton midweek but they've lost their last two home games Leeds meanwhile have picked up very few points on their travels but squandered a very late chance to claim a vital win at home against Leicester They are, though, in the last chance saloon, and defeat here will spell a desperate end to the campaign. Both teams have injury concerns, and both head coaches have indicated team selection could have a gamble or two to win this vital match. It's Bournemouth against Leeds at the Vitality Stadium. Meanwhile then, Manchester City have the opportunity to go top of the table. They'll do so if they can beat Fulham at Craven Cottage. Joshua Adedonku is there. The fantastic 4-1 win over Premier League leaders Arsenal midweek. Champions Manchester City travel to the capital knowing a win over Fulham will put them top of the table. Pick Wilder's team in such great form have won seven league games in a row. Fulham in a little bit of a rut. They've lost five of their past seven Premier League games. European place has slipped away in recent weeks. Fulham versus Manchester City coming up from Craven Cottage. And Newcastle Southampton is at St James's Park where Stephen Goldsmith is standing by. No side in the Premier League has lost fewer games than Newcastle and having won seven of their last eight, it would take a collapse of improbable proportions for them to miss out on the Champions League now. It's the other end of a vast scale for their opponents. Southampton have lost four from five and are winless in eight. A defeat today would leave them staring up a very, very steep hill. An unlikely win though, and maybe they can channel their inner West Brom and Sunderlands. These great escapes have been done before. At St James's Park, Newcastle play Southampton. And Liverpool's meeting with Tottenham is the main game of the day. That's at Anfield from half past four. That one live as well. So Liverpool Spurs half past four and as you just heard there with Stephen, Manchester United against Aston Villa at Old Trafford live at two o'clock. We'll turn to the GA then. It's a busy afternoon. We had a real injection of intrigue, electricity to the Munster Championship last night. Yes, after Champions Limerick suffered a one-point defeat to Clare last night at the Gaelic Grounds, there's more action in the Munster Hurling Championship this afternoon. Cork play their first game of this year's championship when they and their new manager Pat Ryan welcome Waterford to Porky Cueve. That throws in at four o'clock in Leinster. Meanwhile, Nolan Park is the venue for Kilkenny's meeting with Henry Shefflin and Galway. This is Kilkenny's first championship game since Brian Cody's retirement. New manager Derek Ling, of course, a former teammate of Galway boss Henry Shefflin. That's underway at two o'clock. Friendly handshake anticipated? I can imagine, yeah. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how Derek Ling kind of matches up with... Because with, Galway had taken on Wexford and that was not a great day for us. But I didn't think we saw the, the majority of, of Galway that day. But um, I think Kilkenny are starting to hit their groove a little bit. They don't seem to be missing Brian Cody all that much. But uh, it could be a real humdinger and we've seen that anything can happen in this championship now. I think people are possibly overplaying the Limerick defeat a little bit we've seen Limerick kind of have these slips it has been generally in the league for the last couple of years but Limerick can lose the odd game so they aren't absolutely um, you know, infallible but I don't think it'll have much bearing on the actual championship Will Cody be in the stands? Oh I would think so He was known for one that didn't have relationships with players after they retired Will he have one with the county? I think so You think so? Oh yeah Beach. How long will it take to pan to him? 
uh, three and a half minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it could be hard to find. I'd say the hat will be down and yeah. he'll be just sitting somewhere uh, very unglamorous in the, in the corner watching it all. Yeah, I'd be amazed if he uh, could resist the urge to go at Nolan Park as well. Yeah. Uh, that's a, to- a two o'clock uh, throw in. I mean, there's a degree of shadow boxing anticipated given that they're most likely going to meet each other in a Leinster final as well. It's not the most competitive provincial championship uh, this year, unlike Munster, but we'll keep you very much updated nonetheless. The football then, we have three semi-finals, one in Ulster, both in Leinster. Yes, the lineup for this year's Leinster and Ulster football finals will be completed this afternoon. In Leinster, both of those semi-finals are part of a double header at Croke Park. Loud face awfully from a quarter to two and then Dublin against Kildare is at four. At the same time in Clonus, it's Armagh against Down and the winner of that will play Derry in the Ulster decider. Rory Gallagher's side beat Monaghan com- comfortably yesterday eight points in the difference 121 to 210 the final score at Healy Park Very good so uh, we'll check in at uh, Crow Park Colin Nally uh, one of those rarities in life he's very much a coach now but he has played for both Dublin and Loud been uh, immersed in Loud football uh, for the last number of years he's at Crow Park for us so he'll preview uh, those games we'll check in uh, with him beautiful day in Dublin so it should uh, be a good game is it a beautiful day? I just said that without actually realising. It was nice when I we drove can't in. can't actually see no, in I here. So it, I think it started to rain oh, at about yeah. five to one. <laughs> Sorry, I suddenly realised I hadn't looked out in several hours and in Ireland. You've been in this box. Yeah, I yeah, think it's raining. Okay, not a beautiful day in Dublin, but uh, two semi-finals nonetheless. So we'll check in at Crow Park in uh, due course. In round one then of the Leinster Ladies Senior Football Championship today, All-Ireland Champions Meath play Dublin at two o'clock. Waterford host Kerry at the same time in Munster as do Tipperary and Cork. And then in Ulster, it's Cavan taking on Donegal. And the Munster Senior Camogie semi-final between Cork and Waterford throws in at half past one. That's at Porky Cueve, a curtain raiser to the earlier mentioned men's game. Okay. Uh, there is the other semi-final today in the rugby. Yes, Leinster will learn their opponents for this season's Heineken Champions Cup final today. Reigning champions La Rochelle take on Exeter in the second of the last four ties. Kickoff in Bordeaux is at three o'clock. Leinster qualified for the decider thanks to a 41-22 win over Toulouse at the Aviva Stadium yesterday. Jack Conan scored two tries for Leo Cullen's side with Jan Sheehan, Josh van der Fleer and Jason Jenkins all also going over the line. The home side really exploited the French side's poor discipline. Four of those tries were scored during periods when Toulouse were down to 14 men in the first and second half. James Ryan spoke about this to Conor Morris after the game. Pretty the toughest game I'd say we played all season, um, particularly that first 40. You know, they're up there with the, the best second side in, in Europe, so just defensively we knew it was going to be such a tough test for us, so um, we're delighted to, to have played such a tough game um, and just kind of stayed calm in those moments where um, you know they got scores and been able to kind of stick in the game and, and come away with uh, come away with a win. You obviously had the better part of two weeks, maybe even a little bit more than that, to run into the game. So lots of time to focus on exactly what the game plan was. It seemed you executed it almost to, to the letter. Yeah, look. Um, we, we had a bit of time off to, to prepare. You know, they, I don't think those guys played last weekend either. So they would have been in a similar boat. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to play our game. Um, do you know what I mean? Um, and we wanted to get the balance right between, um, you know, playing the type of rugby that you know we enjoy playing and that our, our supporters enjoy us playing, but also uh, making sure that we get the scrum right, the, the line right, all that kind of 
of those parts of the game. So I thought it was got the balance was good, um, and uh, yeah, um, you know we made we took advantage when they got those yellow cards, and uh, and um, we managed the game pretty well in the second half, and thankfully we came out with the win. They sure did. Uh, it should be mentioned as well. So there were the two yellow cards in which Leinster scored four of their five tries across those uh, two twenty minutes or those two ten minutes rather that twenty minutes, and then also after thirteen minutes injury at centre. Entomac went to centre. Dupont moved to number 10, where he has played for Toulouse before. Paul Grau came on as his replacement at scrum half, and he was absolutely a downgrading on uh, what Dupont can offer at nine. So they just weren't as good to lose as maybe a lot of us had anticipated in Leinster and out comfortable winners. Empty seats as well at the Aviva. The uh, tickets were mentioned by Leo Cullen at the start of the week, the pricing, and James Ryan mentioned them in advance of the game. There were a glut of tickets for cheaper than 75 euro, but very early in the week, 75 euro were the only available tickets and no uh, concessions for, for children left. And you could see whenever the camera would go low on the kicker to show the angle, you'd see in the upper tiers just uh, huge swathes of empty green seats. Not ideal for like a marquee game to lose Leinster for a competition in desperate need of all the marketing it can muster. And it was billed coming into it that it was going to be a really good game. Yeah. Yeah, like we know it was anticlimactic now, like we know today it was, but, but it wasn't billed oh, going I mean, into were, it, yeah. I, I, several, which would make you wonder. Several people tipping to lose to come and win, especially when Henshaw was ruled out. So it was a very appetising game. But €75 is steep for people. It certainly is. And I think there was an awful lot of talk during the pool stages eventually, like, you know, we will have to actually get a, a great competition. There will be, you know, these to lose clashes. And people have been building up to this kind of clash basically since the the game last year as well. Yeah. So it's kind of odd that there was these tickets, but they were up in the nosebleeds, I suppose. And I guess maybe we're overplaying it a little bit on this. I do think that, you know, we often talk about these, uh, you know, these mass events where like 100,000 people show up. And I always wonder if you're the 80,000 person in that 100,000, what are you actually seeing? Are a lot of people thinking, you know, I'm actually going to get a better view of this from our televisions now is, is television punditry is television coverage almost too good for a game of this size and we're actually kind of shooting ourselves in the foot a little bit because people are saying 75 euro I can just sit at home I can have my own beer I don't have to you know get up and annoy people when I'm going to the toilet it sounds better to actually stay at home Aidan Delaney and call to make TV coverage worse yeah probably yeah that's but, probably what uh, I do yeah. <laughs> do you think Leinster have been tested enough? Uh, no not really no I mean, it's, it's it's dangerous the, to go into the, the final. They haven't had a game that's been oh, yeah. tough. Well, it's been the misfortune of recent seasons that they're not tested enough, nearly enough, until they're tested too much. Too all much, at once. yeah. And then they have to sit in that for twelve months and go again. So no, I think once again they pitch up in front of Ronan O'Gara's La Rochelle. Yeah, and the mm. the bogey of last year as well. That I don't believe that won't get into their heads. Well, Ronan, if you talk to him and I, I feel he's only disclosing about 5%, <laughs> he is uh, cocksure he knows how to beat Leinster. And he they know, know he knows. He, yeah. know, he, he knows where to stop them, why he's stopping them there, why he's doing it, and he absolutely has a plan. And they know that, he knows that, he knows they know, on we go. So throw in the pressure of a final. And I'm assuming, obviously, they beat a uh, win against Exeter, and I think just for the sheer occasion, everybody hopes they do. I mean, mm. O'Gara... La Rochelle at the Aviva. Yeah, that it, will make the build up and the occasion. It will. Yeah. The rest of Europe will ignore it, but we'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a certain truth in that. 
Uh, meanwhile, uh, last night in Edinburgh, a uh, very good first half by Ireland, their best of the championship, but in the end, a conclusive defeat. So first wooden spoon since 2004. Unfortunately so, as Ireland finished their TikTok Women's Six Nations campaign with a 36 points to 10 loss to Scotland last night. Nicola Friday scored the only Irish try in Edinburgh that came shortly after half time and the loss meant Greg McWilliams' side ended the tournament bottom of the standings. Very grim times, very grim times for Irish women's rugby. Last year, they were very competitive against Wales at the RDS. Wales beat them by a record winning margin this year. They beat Italy last year. Italy beat them by a record winning margin this year. They beat Scotland last year. Scotland beat them this year by a record margin. France also beat them by a record margin. It is staggering how in the space of a year, admittedly, Seven's now not involved and Ireland didn't have the benefit of two months together at a World Cup, which their counterparts in the Six Nations did have. All that notwithstanding, it is staggering the extent to which they have fallen behind everybody in the Six Nations. And the awful, brutal truth is they were the worst team. That table does not lie. They have zero points on the board. Huge work to be done at uh, infrastructural level, institutional level, and then just in the immediacy of the training pitch as well. Greg McWilliams and his team also have to do more. So it's very grim. And uh, we had the game on uh, Virgin Media last night and it was like very raw. It was a, an odd experience, actually very emotional in the studio. Senna Upu, emotional. Jenny Murphy, emotional. Fiona Hayes saying this cannot happen again. These are um, grand, grand Slam winners who are watching um, a, a legacy that they all built up when arguably there were fewer resources. But it's, it's just crumbling in front of their eyes and Ireland will now be in tier three of the W15's competition in the autumn, which means instead of playing top level opposition, they will play Papua New Guinea and Kazakhstan and Jamaica. And that will be no preparation for next year's Six Nations. And Fiona Hayes said last night that she's the eternal optimist and this can never happen again. But it really feels like it is going to happen again. This could be the case for the next year or two because you don't get a sense that this team is on the beginning of a journey. More so the sense is this is the result of what's happened for the last few years. It feels like the journey isn't even at a starting point. It does a bit. Yeah. Like all of the home base players now will go home and have no rugby to play AILs wrapped up until September. They don't even know if it's September. Mm. They're actually not sure. Right. They're estimating September, those club players. They don't actually know. That's disgraceful. Yeah, it's not great. So um, it's, it's, there are a few silver linings. Dan O'Brien at 10 is a big one. Yes. Cling to that. And she's only 19. Yeah. So that she's, is a positive. She's 19. She's the best kicker of a rugby ball in the competition. Yeah. Actually. And she carried herself well but in terms of the tournament. She absolutely is very raw. Mm-hmm. She's going to need good coaching. Would you bet your life? Mm. She'll get it. No. Um, that's the rugby. So, uh, Scotland, we have Celtic Rangers. Yeah, old firm rivals Celtic and Rangers meet in just a couple of moments' time. That's in the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup. The two sides kick off at Hampden Park at half past one. The winner will face Inverness in the decider. Manchester City, meanwhile, will look to keep their WSL title hopes alive when they face bottom side Reading at two o'clock this afternoon. A victory would move them to within three points of rivals Manchester 
Manchester United and some great news to wake up to this morning as Arsenal have sold out the Emirates for their Women's Champions League semi-final second leg against Wolfsburg. That means over 60,000 people will attend the game in North London. That's the first time that's ever happened. They set the previous attendance record for a match in the UK in the competition win over 21,000, so massive jump, watched their last eight victory over Bayern Munich. The tie is level at two all after that first game in Germany. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning France-England yesterday at Twickenham. Oh, it was like 54 or 58. 58,000, which was, I think, world records. So, I mean, women's sport generally at a tipping point when it comes to attendances. We are um, pretty much out of time. You might just give us a mention of the snooker in the F1. Yeah, Mark Selby is taking on Luca Bressel this afternoon in the final of the World Snooker Championship. And it's the Belgian Bressel who has taken the first frame in Sheffield. This is his first time ever to make it this far at the Crucible. Of course, Selby has won the competition four times. That's a best to 18 frame contest. So 1-0 to Bressel and Ferrari's Charles Leclerc started from pole at the Azerbaijan Formula One Grand Prix today in Baku. Also on the front row was world championship leader Max Verstappen. He was ahead of his Red Bull teammate Sergio Perez, who was third. And then Lewis Hamilton for Mercedes went from fifth. Anne-Marie, Aidan, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Short break. We'll check in with Graeme Gartland ahead of our game from Old Trafford and we'll also go to Crow Park next.